Hello all, and thanks for tuning into the Winning Edge podcast once again. My name's Mark Haywood, and we've got another special guest this week in Paul Daly. Uh, Paul's someone who started out in racing like many people, basically just as a, a keen punter on the weekends, and he eventually made the transition to the point where he quit work, uh, started punting full-time, and then turned his passion for the punting to a business. So it's a pretty good story, so let's have a chat. So today's guest is Paul Daly. Paul's the managing director of ratingstowin.com.au. How you going, Paul? G'day, Mark. How are you? Great to be with you and um, having this chat today. Yeah, good. Good to have you on. Um, yeah, just thought we'd have a bit of a chat. And um, for those out there who are perhaps not familiar with Ratings to Win or, or with yourself, um, did you just want to give us a, a bit of a background about yourself and um, about your business as well? Yeah, okay. So... So, Mark, I, uh, my interest in racing was sparked as an early teenager back in the late 70s, so it would have been, I don't know, 78, 79, and I went to the races one day by accident uh, with a mate of mine and his dad, who was a pretty keen punter at, at the time, and, and so this whole new world um, was um, bestowed upon me and something I'd never seen, um, coming from a Catholic family upbringing that was pretty strict, and um, mm. dad hated gambling and drinking and anything associated with gambling. So it was obviously something I had to keep under my hat. And, uh, look, it was, you know, I had a, a small bet or a couple of small bets. I think my, my first bet might have been 50 cents each way or something and, and, and it lobbed into a place and, uh, you know, I was, I was pretty much hooked after that. So my, my, my journey from that, from that point on was really just a matter of getting to the races when I could with my mate, which was infrequently. Um, but later on, it, it sort of developed into a passion. Um, started off as a as a losing recreational punter, like most people, uh, and uh, honed my interest and my skills um, over many years. Uh, and it took a long time before uh, everything sort of dropped into place. So, uh, and I and I don't think that that's probably dissimilar for for most people in this game. You start off as a loser and and hopefully turn to a winner. So, as far as the uh, the business goes, if we if we fast forward to um, around 2008. Um, my background um, from leaving school was in finance. Uh, I started off selling uh, something called a leveraged currency contract. Uh, I started my own consultancy business um, not too long after that. Uh, I started off providing advice to, to companies on mergers and acquisitions, uh, went into corporate restructuring and later insolvency. So I sold the business back in 2008 um, when I was getting to the point where I was pretty tired of it, and it had been around 25 years at that stage, and uh, wanted to give full-time punting a go. So um, it was around about that time that I hooked up with my now business partner uh, and commissioned him to do some work on a program which would primarily operate around exotic betting, um, given that uh, quadrillas and so forth were, were a pretty big focus and what was getting most of my turnover at that period in time and then we sort of morphed into uh, a, a database if you like that database um, a decision was made back in 2010 maybe mid 2010 to, to commercialize it and uh, after investments of huge amounts of capital on my part um, we uh, sort of got to the point where by October 2012, we were ready to release to the public. So that's that's a summary of a, a fairly long period. So for many years, you were just a, I guess, a part-time punter, if you like, while you went about your corporate life. 
yeah, like I used to get to the races um, on a Wednesday and Saturday, you know, when I could, definitely on Saturdays and, you know, when I could on a Wednesday. And, uh, look, I was pretty betting pretty well and, and uh, you know, I had access to, to different information. I, I, I'd read all the Don Scott books and, and, uh, and other, other publications uh, and uh, sort of my interest was sort of uh, driven towards that, that ratings um, uh, mantra because mm. that resonated with me, you know, that, that data analysis and, and, and putting a figure on things um, sort of resonated with my style of doing things. So that's, that's the way I went. And, uh, look, you know, um, weight ratings certainly aren't what they were uh, back yep. in the Scott era. You know, it, it became pretty, pretty much public knowledge. Everyone was doing it, and the edge started to drift out of that and uh, more into what you would call speed ratings or or, or time ratings. And the the you know the edge in that is, is something that I don't know is, is that is actually you know fully exposed because everyone's got a different way of measuring it. Um, we've seen lots of people um, write books on the subject over the years. You know, people like Bayer and so forth. And so we've we've ended up with, I suppose, a, a marketplace that's largely driven by the teams, you know, the big teams, and but there's still plenty of holes there to find value. Yeah, sure. So um, you were punting, I guess, full time for a little while, um, and using your your database for your own purposes before you decide to commercialise it. Oh yes, yeah, since about 2008. So so 2008 sold the business. Um, I was already betting you know, uh, uh, substantial amounts on a Saturday at least uh, at mm. that point in time. Um, with mixed success, I, I, I was at the point where I was probably uh, turning a small profit. Uh, quadrillas, as I said, were, were something that at that point in time um, weren't uh, fully exposed in terms of the value. I think a lot of those those quaddies now aren't what they used to be. So I was basically staking... Um, hundreds and sometimes thousands of combinations into a quadrilla pool um, mm-hmm. using a, a batch bet type system where we used to send bets to the TAB in, in I think it was lots of 400 and every every combination would be staked in proportion to the assessed price and yep. uh, and obviously you know with, with the view to exploiting the value so it was a it was a it was pretty much an automated process once the prices had been arrived at sure so ratings to win is now as we said a basically a, a ratings database that is available to um, customers of yours. Did you want to just take us through, I guess, what ratings to win is today and, and what it can actually do for punters? Okay, so so the, the, the evolution of it started off with a concept that we wanted to mitigate a lot of the costs that we experienced, um, which are probably different to other providers uh, insofar as um, a lot of the, the, the data that we purchase um, verified time sectionals uh, that, that we use for the construction of ratings and so forth, um, which are obviously our IP, um, uh, uh, such that we, we didn't want to sort of make it available on a, on a very wide scale. And at the same mm-hmm. time, we didn't want to sort of grow it into a business where we had to have, you know, significant numbers of employees and so forth. So it was something that we wanted to, that was manageable, um, yep. that, that sort of paid the bills so that, you know, from a betting perspective, uh, what we won, we won. Yep. Uh, if we were successful, so that was that was the concept behind it. Um, it most of the clients that we have are professional punters, uh, so uh, we don't sell to corporate bookmakers. Um, that's a very, uh, I suppose, distinguishable point. Uh, others do, and that's their choice, and that's fine. But uh, we took the view that um, selling to corporates was 
probably uh, going to conflict with not only the interests of our clients, but importantly ourselves as well. And so we, we uh, I suppose, adopted a pretty strict policy on who we would and wouldn't sell to. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, but our other clients have come on board. So trainers, jockey managers um, have come on board as well. They use it to assist themselves with placement of horses, even even a, a couple of clients in the breeding industry as well um, use it as, uh, as a tool for, for their operations. So um, the, the business obviously grew, uh, mainly through word of mouth, and, uh, you know, we've got a pretty good loyal client base now. It's, it's not meant to be a large number. It's never um, been such, and licences are available on a limited basis. So pretty much as somebody, as somebody leaves, then somebody else can purchase a licence, um, but we're, we're at we're at that point where we're we're pretty much full. So th- there's always a percentage of your client base that cycles, um, turns over, but uh, for the most part, you know, there's a good solid base there. Yeah, I know our our own uh, Dean Evans, who runs a couple of services for us. He has Dean's Tips and Trial Spy. Uh, he's one of your your customers. You, you mentioned that you have a few pro punters on board. Um, would they make up a lot of your uh, customer base, or as you said, has it expanded a little? Oh, it's expanded, but um, there's, there's still, a, I would say, the, the significant portion uh, in percentage terms. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, look, there's, there's pro punters, and the great thing about our game is that there's no one way to win at this game. So, you know, we're all focused on different geographical areas and, and interests and particular segments of the market. So that there's very little, um, if you like, overlap in terms of uh, DIP, that, that people use. So the, the database is a, is a very complex um, and comprehensive suite of tools designed for professional punters. Um, it's designed uh, on a basis that, uh, you know, we, we continually evolve, we continually improve the product. Um, there's a lot of time and money spent on R&D. Uh, clients make suggestions. We often bring those into the equation um, and, and, and continue to make uh, changes to clients or for clients uh, for their benefit and also for our benefit, um, you know, if, if it's a good idea, yes, we put it in. Uh, that That's all sort of absorbed by us on a cost basis, so mm. we don't charge clients for that for that, um, for that benefit. They just get it. And uh, what they use and what they don't use, as far as the, the tools that go within the software, uh, is obviously up to them. But uh, some people have a fairly simplistic model, others a lot more complex. Um, so it, it just depends. I just wanted to have a, a bit of a chat about your own bidding. You mentioned earlier that you, I guess, started out or spent a fair bit of time doing exotics and quaddies. Is that still your focus or have you, you changed over time? Yeah, I have changed. Look, in this game, you've got to change. You've got to adapt with the market. Um, look, I don't know, uh, I can't remember exactly the date that I stopped uh, you know, betting quaddies on a regular basis, but... It probably lasted a few years, and then I started to see that um, the returns just weren't there. Look, that could have been a combination of variants and and other things as well. But over time, it, you know, there, there definitely has been a significant shift in the market, and I think that you've got to continue to hone your, you know, your, your process, whatever that is, and and adapt and continue to research the market. And that's that's one of the things that we do within the databases is use it as a tool to run queries, uh, to have a look at different. Um, you know, different uh, aspects of racing intelligence and look at what actually wor- is working or isn't. And, and I suppose the best way of describing it is to, you know, for any punter, they have to try to, you know, find variables that 
perhaps the market doesn't value as as well as they should um, that the you know the offer value and, and sort of somehow combine those into a into a model or a process that they they use for their own betting. Um, you know, clients will typically have their processes and, and stick pretty solid to them. So uh, for me, uh, I focus nowadays mainly on New South Wales racing. Um, that doesn't mean that I'm sort of adverse to looking at anything else, and, and I'm certainly in the process at the moment of, 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 of looking into um, adding to that as well, you know, as a means of increasing turnover. But uh, that's, that's the main focus for me. Mm-hmm. Any particular reason why New South Wales? Uh, look, I, I, I like the fact that um, New South Wales racing, uh, you know, I, I like the benchmark system. I, I like the uh, the spread in the in the handicap uh, in New South Wales racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like the fact that you know it, it's 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 a very map orientated type racing. Um, Victoria is a much flatter structure, um, and it's obviously a, a much wider area. And there's a lot more tracks, and there's a lot more horses. Moving and and between um, areas and you know there's border hoppers all over the place. So yeah. I think that Victoria is is uh, a state that if you're going to do it comprehensively, um, definitely needs more than one person. Uh, if you're going to to do it statewide, um, look, New South Wales racing is, is is very competitive. You've got a lot of good jockeys, a lot of good riders, uh, and uh, there's not one dominant. So the problem, I think, with, say, WA at the moment is that you've got that Pike factor who's he's just so dominant. And it's a bit like the Marira factor in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. You know, they you, you two-to-one two chance might run five to four. And so the you know the 12%'s got to go somewhere. So it goes back into the pool and, and fragments the price on a lot of those um, perhaps fringe runners that you wouldn't be wouldn't be supporting normally, that you now find yourself supporting because you're... You're getting twenties, the the horse that you've marked twelves or whatever it might be. So um, the New South Wales racing is it at the moment, but uh, um, that doesn't mean that it's always going to be that that way. And are you you mostly focused on on metros in Sydney, or happy to go far and wide for whatever you can find? Look, at mostly metros. Um, the, the problem I, I I found with sort of the country racing is obviously getting on for what you need to get on. Uh, and look, I know there's all sorts of tactics that you can use to, you know, bowls and whatnot, but I think, you know, that becomes more difficult over time. And uh, I, because I'm such a, 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 a sort of traditional form analysis, I, I'll spend so much time on a race, I might spend an hour, hour and a half on a race, I mean, depending on the field and depending on the angles, um, yep. you know, I could spend that, I could spend that sort of time on a race. So, to invest that time to then uh, only be able to get on to win a thousand um, here, there, and maybe a few bookmakers uh, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It's 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 probably a more of a frustrating move. So yeah, and that's one of the reasons I started um, earlier this year uh, going to Sydney on a regular basis and, and betting there because you can get set for more, um, and and the market's a you know a great market which is extremely competitive. So you actually bet on course on a weekly basis, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I go down on Saturdays and most Wednesdays um, to, to Sydney. I fly down, fly back. So it, it, can, it can get a bit tiring, um, and obviously there's a cost um, there to, to, to do that. But uh, at this point, it's it's uh, showing me that it's worthwhile. Um, you know, uh, maybe over time I'll look to consolidate that into um, maybe just having someone there betting for me 
Um, but at this stage, um, yeah, I'm, I'm making the uh, the effort to do it myself. So how long have you been doing that? Was that this year, did you say? So, yeah, this year, I, I think it might have been around February um, or so uh, that, that, that I started doing that. And uh, But, uh, yeah, so it's... Uh, it's been an experience, and certainly, you know, as I said, I've, I'm, I'm averaging around eight to nine percent better than the uh, NOP would offer okay. on best fluctuation. So it, it seems to be worth worthwhile at the moment to do that. I mean, look, you know, there's the argument that there's um, all the big players in in the Sydney market, so it's much harder to extract value. But everyone's got a different opinion about what they want to back, and um, the great thing is that. It has multiple horses supported, and the bookmakers on course in Sydney are very competitive. Um, mm. uh, they're very willing to, to, to push a horse well beyond um, often what the uh, NOP suggests, whereas um, from what I know about Victoria, that they're, they're more mainstream. Right. And just on, I guess you're someone who bets in the ring a fair bit, which is a bit different to most people these days. Um, what's your thoughts on the, the wagering industry in Australia at the moment and, and where we're at? Oh look, it's um, it, it's not what it was, and you know we're all going to accept that. We're not going to change it um, dramatically, I don't think. I'm hoping, and 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 I suppose, yeah, it, it is really that's what it is. It, it's just hope. I'm confident, quietly, that we will see more money into the ring, and I think that that's already started to happen as a result of the POC um, that's uh, sort of come about in in just about every state now. I think so. Yeah, there's obviously that's affecting. Uh, corporates more than uh, it is uh, on course. In fact, I think on course are pretty much insulated from it. The fact that we've had corporates um, uh, prohibited in accepting credit bets uh, once their turnovers over a certain amount, which pretty much affects most of them. Uh, but once again, that that that's not a, a function of the on course market. You can obviously get credit and and settle on a weekly basis. So there's there's lots of reasons why I think money will find its way back to the track. If you want better prices and you're betting in Sydney, you've, you've got to get to the track because, you know, you're you're often getting um, uh, large discrepancies between what the NOP suggesting as a fluctuation, which is obviously derived from the corporate prices, versus what you actually see in the ring. Um, and you can get set for more. There's none of this 2,000 business. Every rails bookmaker on a Saturday has to bet you to lose five, and sometimes they'll bet more than that. So it just depends. So uh, I think the on-course market in Sydney is probably one of the few that still offers that the, the capacity to do that type of thing. I mean, Queensland has been shot and has been done pretty much since the um, the late 90s um, and early 2000s. It, it wasn't much cop. Um, you can't even get a set there for a bet, so it's like $500 limit, uh, and that, that that's not really going to suit anyone who's trying to make a living out of the game. Uh, look, I, I think that Australia's got some issues. I mean, there's there's the issue of consolidation that, that's sort of now upon us. That's probably going to continue, I think, um, so that the actual number of operators is going to become less and less uh, in, in the corporate space. Um, I think there's a good future for Australian racing, um, providing that we can iron out some of the problems. Um, obviously, a lot of competition between states. Uh, the tote, should we have a national pool? I, I think so. Um, there are fours and against for that, but uh, I think that's something that that might eventually happen. And and the toads have probably got to become more realistic in terms of what their margins are. They've got to offer rebates, um, especially to people who maybe attend attend the racetrack. You know, there, sure. there should be an incentive for people to do that. 
So, look, I, I think the Australian's got some issues, but, and there's certainly some growth opportunities overseas, and look, we're looking at those as well, and uh, always uh, looking at, uh, I suppose, uh, broadening the product to, to cover that. Yeah, and just quickly, you, you're a Queenslander, and you, you make the effort to go down to, to Sydney once or twice a week to bet. Do you, do you bet at all in Queensland now, on Queensland racing? Yes, I do. Um, I still uh, a bit more selectively. So, yeah, there'll be certain races that uh, my computer show me uh, are probably better from a from a betting perspective, uh, and so I'll dig into those more deeply and and often you know come up with a selection and and bet. But still, the issue still remains. You know, what you're going to get on, how you're going to get on. Betfair is a great tool, and and certainly uh, a tool that uh, myself and I'd suggest most punters uh, would struggle to do without. Um, and it's a great alternative, uh, and sometimes a support or a secondary support for your betting. But uh, look, you know, turnover wasn't what it is on. Oh, well, turnover now isn't what it was once on Betfair. So um, th- th- there's some issues there to consider as well. So uh, for me, look, I'll, I'll bet anywhere if I think the edge is, is big enough. But yeah, as I said, the majority of my focus is obviously steered towards New South Wales. Sure. And just finally, we like to ask everyone. Uh, as somebody who's, um, I guess, run the full journey from your, your 50 cent each way bet through to full-time punter, um, what would be your, your main pieces of advice for uh, more recreational punters out there who are perhaps looking to get things, make things a little more serious or um, up their turnover a bit? Well, I think, I think the biggest issue that faces punters is money management and discipline uh, and patience. Um, you know, they're critical components of what successful punters um, have. So, you know, you've got to learn to be patient, you know, wait for the right opportunities to present themselves. Um, you've got to do a lot of reading. I think I think um, punters who are new to the industry or perhaps not as experienced should do as much reading as they can and, you know, read all the Don Scott books and read the, the Andy Bayer books and there's plenty of them um, in terms of, um, you know, what's been written locally as well as internationally. Uh, you've got to continue to challenge yourself. You, you can't just sit there and rest on your laurels and accept that, you know, today's version of, of, of uh, a successful model is going to be the same way or going to produce the same results, um, you know, in five years' time. You've got to be prepared to adapt and, and always look at tinkering uh, the model to suit, you know, the direction of the market or, or, or uh, perhaps take advantage of, you know, some of those mistakes. And I don't mean, you know, every week you should be changing something. I just mean that, you should be aware of what's going on or have the capacity to know what's going on and, and access research to, to help you do that. Um, at the end of the day, every race you bet on is just a horse race. It doesn't matter if it's a maiden at um, Taree or a Melbourne Cup. Uh, they pay the same. So I think punters need to be you know, perhaps uh, more aware that you know, every race has its own challenges, has its own um, uh, uh, you know, tricks, if you like, that they've, that they've got to be sold or pieces of the puzzle that will be put together so you know just be patient and um, and work through it and, and and ask questions there's lots of good material on the internet now um, that that help punters I, I know when I started there was nothing uh, mm. and people weren't willing to help but there are a lot of good people in the industry well-known people in the industry that uh, are willing to help punters and and answer questions you know I'm always happy to answer people's questions if they ask I mean if it's going to reveal Specific IP, I probably wouldn't, but um, in a general sense, absolutely. So I think I think any punter starting out now has a great foundation to learn from 
Uh, there's lots of information on the Beck Bear website uh, that people can learn from. So, uh, yeah, just get in there and, and dig in and, and uh, know your limits. Absolutely. That's probably about us for today. So thanks for the chat, Paul. Um, all the best over the, the coming spring, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, everybody, for listening to today's episode of the Winning Edge podcast. Hopefully you got something out of it. Uh, if so, you can subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, and you won't miss an episode. And if you've got any questions at all, you'll find Winning Edge Investments on Twitter or Facebook, or you can head to winningedgeinvestments.com, and you can get in touch with us there. Uh, we've got a big team of professional punters and analysts who study the form and bet for a living. So head over to the website and see what they've got to offer, or if you just want to get in touch for a chat about punting. So until next time, I'm Mark Haywood. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.